High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, fine members of high society. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the pool party's at my place this evening. But first, well, first, let's chat. And I want to start out by, one, thanking our healthcare heroes out there. Not going to forget that. You are not forgotten. But two, apologize for the slightly late delivery. I'm usually really good with this. Well, the godfather Joey Lewandowski, the leader of the podcast network, might disagree with that. But that's another topic for another day. But I I am a little bit late today. And that's because I stayed up late. I had a Thursday night slumber party, if you will. I was actually invited on a show, an internet show, The Ryan Stick Show, and oh my god, I had a blast. I certainly have a face for podcasting, and I look really tired, and my hair is a mess, but we had so much fun chatting high school movies, 80s movies, 90s movies, a little wrestling, a lot of Bill and Ted. Oh my god, it was so great. You probably remember I mentioned The Ryan Stick Show before because Charlie Talbert was on the Ryan Stick show with Patrick Reed Johnson, the director of Angus. And that was a great episode. I highly recommend going back and checking that one out. But Ryan's such a nice guy. Like I said, had so much fun. Talked a lot of Canadian stuff too. He's Canadian. It was great. Check out my episode on there. Just look up the Ryan Stick show. You'll find it. Between me and him, we solved all of Angus's questions for all you out there asking those deep Angus questions. So you know we're good. You know we're like a team. And I'm going to have Ryan on this show. And after you watch that, you're going to be like, yo, I can't wait for him to be on High School Slumber Party. So that's why I'm late. I stayed up late because I had to edit this episode after that. But well worth it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ryan, for having me on. What a blast that was. But let's talk about the things you need to do. I don't call it homework. It's the summer. So the things you need to do to make this old guy happy. And that's first, 
taken out your phone or whatever recording device, not recording device, whatever listening device you listen to this podcast on, and hitting that subscribe button, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. And if you can, give us a five-star rating and write us a review. All that helps High School Slumber Party grow and flourish and become that butterfly of teen movies that you know we have inside us. So please, please, please help us out that way. And you know what? Ryan did it, and I want you to do this. Tell a friend about all the wonderful things that happen on High School Slumber Party on a weekly basis. Bi-weekly these days, because I got a little bit more free time. Well, maybe not so much these days, but I'm still going bi-weekly until it kills me, pretty much. (laughs) We'll put it that way. So I want to make sure you checked out our Monday film. Kate Hudson, the great Kate Hudson, was the guest. It was a babysitting Monday. Thank you guys for earning your keep. Thank you guys for earning that money and being able to pay for college maybe one day or buy that car because babysitting Mondays, they've been fun, but they've been about work. We, of course, talked about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, another Keith Coogan babysitting film. It was awesome. Christina Applegate was awesome. Kate Hudson was awesome. Check that out in the archives, wherever you get your podcast, or at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. But, of course, today's Friday, and Fridays are for fun. I'm letting you hang out at my pool before we get into our sleeping bags. It's going to be fun. Take a shower. You don't want chlorine in the sleeping bag, but whatever. We'll get there. I cannot wait. But today's another Friday, and we debuted this last Friday, but you know what it is. It's High School Movie News. From the High School Movie News Desk, this is Brian Rodriguez, and here's the news. Not as much news as last week, guys, but some really important things. First, The Kissing Booth dropped last Friday, as I mentioned. Sorry, The Kissing Booth 2, (laughs) the sequel. I'm confused because apparently they already shot The Kissing Booth 3, so we're getting that. Now, it's not yet known whether we'll be covering it on this podcast because it really depends when it takes place, right? Apparently, spoiler alert, they graduate at the end of The Kissing Booth 2. I haven't seen it yet. We're actually going to cover it next week. Another spoiler alert for this show. I'm about to watch it today. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you know what I think about the movie, but I can't believe they already shot the third one. That's amazing. Hmm, if there was only a podcast that covered third films for this network, I'll have to ask Mike Manzi about that one. I don't know if he's going to put on a coveted slot on Third Time's a Charm for The Kissing Booth 3. But you never know. You never know. And I'll let you know again how The Kissing Booth 2 is next week. More news. So a lot of anniversaries coming up. And there's an anniversary for a film that I actually haven't seen, but it keeps getting recommended to me, even by my own cousin. And that's Kids. Have any of you seen Kids out there? I'm thinking we might cover Kids this summer because, again, it is the 25th anniversary, just like Clueless. And it was a movie that inspired a lot of people. It's apparently very screwed up, but I really can't wait. 
Here's another bit of news. The Godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, passed this one along to me. Remember Anna and the Apocalypse, the movie we covered for Christmas? Not last Christmas, but the Christmas before. It was the zombie musical uh, high school film. I thought it was awesome. Joey was so-so on it. I think he liked it, but he expected more. Well, he's actually really excited for the follow-up project. The same people who did Anna and the Apocalypse are doing a musical called Lady Macbeth. Apparently, it's pretty awesome. I can't wait for this one to come out. Oh, can't wait. Really excited about that. Is there any other news? Let's see. Let me check. I don't think so. If I missed anything, let me know. Hit me up on social media. That's the same social media as High School Slumber Party, of course. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email us any tips or scoops at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. That's highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. This is Brian Rodriguez for High School Movie News. Wow, that Brian Rodriguez is always on top of it. Woo! So in the haste to get this episode started, I forgot to tell you what this episode is all about. We're talking a film that I had not even heard of, but my guest, first-time guest Galen Howard, he reached out to me, um, and he was like, hey, do you have anyone for this movie? It's called Society. He mentioned some other movies, but we'll get to them another time. And I was like, no, I don't. And I was like, hmm. Who would know about a movie like this when I looked it up? And of course, I went to our resident senior, the guy in the back of the class, the sometime substitute teacher, Mike Manzi. I'm like, have you heard of Society? And he was like, uh, yeah, I showed it to my roommate once. And she didn't talk to me for three days. More on that later. (laughs) And I was like, this movie is going to be interesting. And oh my God, it is. It's a blast, but it is weird. It's not for everyone. But I'm so excited for you to hear this episode on society with first-time guest Galen Howard and Mike Manzi. I'm going to hit the pool. So I want you to do me a favor. Pack your favorite swimsuit. Tell your mom you're coming to Brian's pool party. Because we're about to get that said pool party on. God damn it, I had it right. (laughs) What does my bartender have for me today? Bartender, let's see. Oh, a hurricane. A New Orleans finest. Love it. Can't wait to enjoy this hurricane by the pool. Listen to this great episode on this weird film society. I guarantee you're going to like it. See you on the other side. So we have an interesting film today, a film I had not seen before, but we'll get into that a little bit later. 
But one of my favorite, favorite things is happening today, and it's rare on High School Slumber Party that we have a first-time guest. But ironically, before we get into our first-time guest, let's get into my long-time guest. He's pretty much my co-host at this point, and certainly for a film like this. Mike Manzi, why don't you start off by introducing yourself in the classic High School Slumber Party mode. <laughs> Thank you very much once again, Brian. I'm Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97. Go Maroons! Go Maroons! Always great to have you on, Mike. You're definitely going to be a little bit of my backbone on this episode, and no weird body puns intended there, because oh, <laughs> I, know, I know you really like this film, but before that, we have a first-timer on, and uh, first-timer, do you need your help introducing yourself, or can you do it? <laughs> um, I'm uh, Galen Howard, uh, class of 2001, uh, Natomas Charter School. I think we were the Knights. We didn't really have a sports team or anything, but I think that was our, our, like, our, our, our mascot or whatever. Well, Galen, you pick up fast, because I didn't have to walk you through that, which I usually do, I guess. Oh, good, guess. good. Okay, well, good. Excellent. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for hopping on, and this film was your idea, but before any of that, first time guest, I have to ask, what were you like in high school, Galen? What was your high school experience like? Um, my high school was a little atypical. Um, I went to a, a performing and fine arts charter school in a Sacramento suburb, and so it was, uh, you know, we were kind of, you know, this school, like, out in the middle of a field and, <laughs> you know, taking, like, music and drama classes, like, you know, and just kind of making shit up as we went along. I was able to kind of let my freak flag fly, just kind of be a total weirdo, and at one point I was was um i was in like a school like a class facilitated rock band in which Ooh. i played a, a no joke uh percussive hand farts what? <laughs> <laughs> like That's if you've amazing. Ever, like if you've ever heard if you've ever heard like the weird owl songs where like that the guy like does little <laughs> like the, the little like flatulent percussive sounds like i was basically doing that amazing well as a fellow percussionist i have to say that is fantastic <laughs> yeah like, oh, yeah like there was like this older dude who was like running the classes like what can you do and i was like well i don't know i can do this and it was just went you know squeaky 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 and he was like i think we can work with that <laughs> just like school of rock yeah, yeah say, it was jack black your teacher was, he was a slightly older uh, you know incarnate mm. <laughs> like a generation a uh, generation removed but you know had that had that kind of open-minded spirit yeah it was a very unique upbringing. I went through junior high uh, facing like the typical hell that you know a lot of a lot of us go through, and you know the the first opportunity I had to find an alternative, I did not hesitate. So it made my my high school experience a lot more uh, tolerable, and you know I was able to kind of build some of my creative foundation there, and not just you know have to just it wasn't mere, merely about survival as it is for a lot of people. I mean, that sounds awesome. So is that where you first got into acting and such? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I started taking some some freeform classes when I was a kid. I definitely got the bug. I think as a, as Kevin Pollack calls it, the hey, look at me disease. <laughs> I definitely was able to kind of build a foundation uh, in high school. So that was, that was really cool. That's awesome. And I, I have to ask this. It's going to sound like a creepy question. But Go for it. <laughs> here it goes. But, Obviously, but you we, do host a, a high school movie, podcast. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes, that too. Movie. I, host a, I host a podcast where I pretend that I'm having a slumber party in high school. So <laughs> I guess it's not out of the ordinary. But we haven't met in person. No. So I have to ask, did you have that glorious mustache in high school? Because that mustache is glorious. Oh, 
<laughs> Thank you. No, I was a bit of a late bloomer. So like, I mean, I still can't grow like a full on like beard or anything. It took until my latter 20s in order to, you know, to really until it really got its full body. So no, I was, uh, I had a baby face until 27, 28. <laughs> uh, Brian, were you shaving in high school? Because I don't, I don't even think I was shaving until maybe late senior year or something. I mean, and I wasn't necessarily that late a bloomer, but like, it was mm. like, yeah, a good 30 years so I could grow like what a, <laughs> someone what we would consider a beard of a, of like a, a guy. Proper, you know? a proper beard. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. tried. What about you? I tried <laughs> to grow a beard. Oh, sure. I had more of like a pathetic soul patch and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not fun. Not fun. I had the wispy <laughs> yeah. mustache at times as oh, well. Oh, sure. Early yeah, on. Very wispy, very peach fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I always wanted to be able to like, grow a full beard. And so I think for a while I had kind of like that sympathy soul patch. Where just like, <laughs> this is the best I can do, you know. And, and then like at some point just someone was like, yeah, that's. That's just not doing you any favors. And now people said that. And I was like, okay, point taken. I'm not Tom Waits. All right. Hair is a very big deal in this movie, if you ask me. Oh, my God. <laughs> not not yes. so much the facial hair, but, you know, still topical. There's some, yeah, there, there's some hair. It's, some of it's consumed. Some of it's spit out, you know? Yeah. If anyone's a fan of this podcast, they'll know that this is not the genre I have the most experience in. Doesn't mean I don't like it. I just didn't grow up with it but you mike manzi have kind of pointed me in this direction and has been my lead that's why i asked you to come on for this episode specifically but galen when we were talking on instagram yes you were like these are three movies i would love to do and i'm like oh i don't really know these movies that's awesome and i think i knew all three of them <laughs> yeah if i'm not I, mistaken i think so and <laughs> i went to so you weird. mike <laughs> i'm like mike you know these movies and you're like oh my god the first one you said is like i love society I think you, made, <laughs> you like made your roommate watch it and stuff and i was yep. like okay well uh, you're gonna help me andrea <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna help me out with this one so galen what's your history with society first why was this one of the three movies you want to be on high school slumber party for spill your guts no pun intended <laughs> no, yes, tell, tell yeah, me all about society fitting yeah. um i mean i kind of came to to horror late you know i was i was more of a bit of a film snob in high school and early 20s and you know i, I it took me a while to kind of warm up to these to you know to the horror genre and that sort of thing but i've even before horror like any kind of any kind of cult movie anything that's just you know yeah in you know, undefinable and just and just completely just bonkers wins my heart usually so like this i i had seen society a couple years ago and i think it just it's so bizarre the visuals are just incredible but also i think um i think it's it, I think underneath all of the bizarre original spectacle, there's there's some really relevant social commentary about the elite and kind of the way the the way that the the elite upper class, the one percent, if you will, kind of feeds off and harvests the the working class. And you know, I think it's especially now, you know, um, and especially with the the kind of the perverse angle they take, the emphasis on perversion. You know, you can definitely kind of see that you know not to get you know not to get super topical but like you look at just certain you know news we hear about trump and uh you know uh and and epstein and all of that i mean you know you can really draw some very relevant parallels it has that great kind of highbrow lowbrow 
intersection where it's just absolutely just bonkers, you know, uh, you know, weird, you know, kind of B movie fun, but also it's it's very pointed underneath that. Absolutely, absolutely. As long as there are rich people in this world, this movie will be relevant. So, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. I I really connected with that. How about you, Mike Manzi? Society, tell me why it is also something you enjoy. So. I'm actually kind of fairly new to this movie myself. I only discovered it about five or six years ago, maybe six years ago. Every October, I would try to watch 31 new horror films I had not seen before. Mm. I had not done this in like a year or so, but like I still watch a lot of horror during October. And this was high on that list that year. It was the first time I had seen it. Uh, and it was, you know, it was in the middle of watching 31 other movies and it came out like in the top five or six that I was watching that month. I love everything about it that Galen mentioned about like its themes and everything. Like I think horror is a great medium to get across a lot of political ideas without really feeling that in your face about it, like because of the distraction of the horror itself and like the grotesque things going on and everything and the way it's making its point like i love the effects of this film turns out like i like this director um as a producer brian we've sort of come across some of his work before when you were on my show third times a charm talking about return of the living dead part three he's involved with that he's involved with a lot of Stuart gordon movies and Stuart gordon made a lot of these sort of lovecraft inspired body horror you know effects driven uh, crazy movies, kind of like Absolutely. this. Uh, I get like, you know, with the social commentary, I get like Romero vibes with the body horror stuff. I get Cronenberg vibes like this, you know, they turn into like a Cronenberg monster from Rick and Morty at the end of this thing. Like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, every time I rewatch it, I like it more and more. I think like it's, it's funny. It's scary. It's confusing at times. It doesn't always quite fit together, but I think it makes its right. point and it's crazy like you've definitely even as a horror fan like there is not a lot of shit like that you see in this movie that you see other places like it is very unique and shows you shit you've never seen before absolutely so, yeah i couldn't, yeah. couldn't agree with you guys more on all this again and, and i had yeah. never seen it before and mike you you were like oh don't spoil yourself just watch it and see so i'm like what kind of movie are you watching is it going to be like a fun romp <laughs> just it's it just be... depends what you on how you define fun romp but fair, yeah fair <laughs> yeah i i just des, i describe it to friends uh, as um stylistically as a uh, uh, cronenberg by way of john hughes on a corman budget <laughs> yes <laughs> now you're speaking my language here so yeah <laughs> yeah it's something that i'm surprised i hadn't heard of it before even though again i'm not a horror expert, but it, it seems odd that this isn't considered, you know, a classic to some that were like, I would just know it from just being a member of society. Again, wow, I keep doing that. Sorry about these cheap puns. It's just <laughs> going to happen. Just, right. we're, I think we're resigned to it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, every week I read back of VHS or whatever I can find, found a picture of the back of the VHS here. So awesome. here goes. <clears throat> On the surface, Beverly Hills teenager Bill Whitney has it all. Good looks, nice family, and money to burn. But lately, Bill has been feeling like an outsider. 
that he just doesn't fit in, that something bad is going to happen. Bill is starting to be very afraid, and he should be. He's being pursued by a dead... Sorry. Being pursued by a deadly beauty with body parts to spare, and his parents threw a coming-out party for his sister where ritual sacrifice was, ho- was the highlight of the evening. Now Bill has an invitation to be the guest of honor at a very special gathering of society. But this is one party he might want to miss, because to enter society is to plunge headfirst into a world so monstrous, a truth so terrifying, that Bill might just lose his mind if he doesn't lose his life first. Nice. Okay. Pretty much gets it. I think that's... Yeah, it's mo- mostly accurate. I don't know about the deadly beauty part, but yeah. I think that's a little misleading. But um, but we'll I get think into it was that. For like someone to be like, oh, there's hot girls in this cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It hides all of the sort of monstrous twists and turns that go off oh, another. Part, Which is but... good. I mean, as as it as it should as it should. Yeah, you you don't want to you don't want to see that coming. No, no, for sure. Um, some product- don't want to see a lot of that going. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> whoa. Too easy, too easy today. Oh God! <laughs> Here we go. And and Mike, you uh, alluded to the director Brian Yuzna, I think his name is or Yuzna, Yuzna, Yuzna yeah, Yuzna, yeah. And he he produced a bunch of films before oh, this, yeah. but this is his directorial debut. Yeah, I also uh, also noted that he and Stuart Gordon conceived the script for uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, I That's saw that. Right. Yeah, like, Stuart Gordon was supposed to direct it. Really? Mm-hmm. And it, so I forget why it fell through. And everything. I forget why, how Joe he Johnston, got off I the think. project. But yeah, but yeah, yeah they and then they brought in Joe Johnston. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, That's but they insane. brought. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was their idea. I think it was. I mean, I can only imagine what what it would have looked like if Stuart Gordon had been able to direct. <laughs> well, it's that. It's amazing because a lot of their a lot of their movies like are mad scientists in the attic that look like Rick Moranis, yeah. uh, except they're R-rated and not G-rated or PG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you know, yeah. I don't know if it would still you know been the you know the the family sensation that that it that it was you know with with if, if Stuart Gordon was behind the wheel. It's like yeah, it's like one of those things you never realize. Like when I first found out that George Miller was behind Babe. Yes, that's so good. And Happy Feet, and so you're like, what the hell what is-, is going on? <laughs> Just did Mad Max to fund his his love for pigs and stuff. Yeah, for for happy animal movies. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian Yuzna or or whatever, he <laughs> he admits that he back engineered the plot that he thought of the special effects first, and then he figured mm. he would write the movie around it, which might account for some confusion in the plot lines, but I still yeah. admire that he was able to put so much subversion in this with that kind of mindset. Yeah, well, it, yeah. well, well he, it wasn't his script. Two other guys wrote the script, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he had a hand in like, the story or anything, or rewrites, but I think it was their initial idea. Apparently they were like his guys, you know, because he's usually okay. a producer, and he was like... I want to make a movie with this kind of uh, special effects right around this. And they were like, sure. And they even like we'll get back to you. Yeah. And they rewrote things on set <laughs> and they would, uh, hmm. they said, oh, there was a couple scenes like the beginning was like, Oh, we need a new beginning or we need this to change a Whoa. little bit because it's not making sense. Right. Uh, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's been a hell of a lot of worse movies with that same, 
you know, production ideas like, oh, like, uh, I've got this one idea, but I don't know anything else. So like, let's like reverse engineer it or, you know, start mm -hmm. in the middle and see what happens. And, you know, most of those ideas fail and things. And it, I, yeah. I even think like Romero was saying like, you know, he just wanted to make a, uh, a bunch of people trapped in a house. He didn't set out to make mm -hmm. like a political statement. And that was an instance in which, you know, what happened here also worked there. So he got yeah. extremely lucky with his little crew of, uh, of Absolutely. People. The reverse engineering thing is, I mean, that's like pretty much all of what Corman did was, you know, we've got a <laughs> <The> poster. <laughs> we've got this set for an extra five days. Let's make a movie. <laughs> you know, we've got this rubber suit. Let's make a movie. You know, it, like it was all around like, we've got this thing. Let's, you know, and like 10 grand, let's do that. Let's do this. There's a whole kind of school, especially in this sort of, this kind of B-movie genre, which I think this transcends to a degree, is, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of, it's a huge history of that. It reminds me of a film we covered on this podcast, Tammy and the T-Rex, where they just had an animatronic I thought of that T -Rex. too. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was actually thinking of that too, right, where they had the animatronic T-Rex and they built a whole thing around it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so uh, the director was inspired by Salvador Dali paintings, and oh. he, he contracted mm. a uh, designer called Screaming Mad George. Have either of you yes. heard of this guy? And yeah, like in the effects world, he's like kind of, he's like up there with like Savini and people mm -hmm. like that. I think he worked on like some of the, some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, things like that. Yeah, did all of those, you know, weird, b gross melting bodies are kind of his thing. Yeah, that's his trademark apparently. And when yeah. I looked up his IMDb, the two things as being not a horror guy that I was like, oh, he did this were Predator and... But more importantly, like more like, oh, I get it. it was Big Trouble in Little China? He did. Yeah, that oh, makes okay. sense. It's like that, a sizzle. That reel. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, yeah. oh, exactly. That makes sense. What aspect of, of Predator did he do? He didn't do the whole the alien itself, did he? I don't think so. And when I was thinking about it, I think he probably did like maybe like the skinned bodies and stuff. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to look yeah. into that a little deeper. Uh, so for in, sure. in regards to the cast, there wasn't too many people I recognized. The, the no. lead is played by Billy Warlock. Had either of you guys? Great name. Yeah, great name. <laughs> Apparently his dad um, was a horror uh, in a Yeah, horror Dick Warlock. Yeah, he was a stunt guy and he was yeah. um he was Mike he was Michael Myers slash the shape in Halloween 2. Oh, cool. And this I think he was in Halloween 2. Billy Billy Warlock. I think that was, was like the one. I think wasn't that one of his other credits? On I believe I so. I, I, it wasn't I, like I, a big role. Maybe his dad. Oh yeah, right. No, he's probably right. It would have just been a, a walk on thing. But yeah, I mean, he was before and since he's. I mean, his primary work has been in soaps mm -hmm. and yeah. Baywatch yeah. too, and, and right? Baywatch. Like a, and then he did Baywatch. <laughs> this he yeah. he did start Baywatch right around the same time. Yeah, it makes sense. Like he's got a look like that all American look. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got that hair, which is incredibly like high in every direction. It's like every hairstyle at the time combined into oh, yeah. one hairstyle. It's just a lot of the hair in this movie is amazing. Yeah, that's sort of like Saved by the Bell, you know, all of that, right. like that preppy kind of. Yeah, absolutely. There was only two other uh, actors who, when I scrolled through everything, that I had notes for. Okay. One of them, you and I, Mike, kind of talked about, and that's yeah. uh, the person who played Shauna, which was his like blonde girlfriend that he blows off. Heidi Kozak's oh, right. her name, and you and I saw her in Slumber Party Massacre Two. Remember that weird thing happens like to her face in the room? Uh, okay, that is Vaguely. so vague. That is so vague. <laughs> if I showed you a picture, you'd be like, "Oh, that girl." But again, that's very minor. And then uh, 
the one who plays Clarissa, Devin DeVasquez. Yeah, that's who I recognized. Yeah, apparently she's a former Playboy centerfold who dated Prince. That's not how I recognized her, though. <laughs> I knew, I knew her, I knew her from Camp Buy Me Love. Qualify yeah, that. Yeah. She's in a bunch of other stuff too. But I was gonna ask. Thought Mike, maybe you have a Playboy June 1984 around. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I have to check. I don't think it was till mid '90s where I started collecting my Playboys. <laughs> um, was there anyone else that you guys recognized from anything? Not really. No, I'm trying to think. Everyone kind of looked like a B version of someone famous, like the guy who plays his shrink, the guy who plays the mayor, his his quote unquote parents, the crazy mother, right? Oh, that, oh yeah. Like they all look familiar. But I yeah, don't know yeah, that like, from anything. <laughs> yeah, like the mayor kind of looked like a kind of like a knockoff, like E.G. Marshall or someone like that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I expected like at least Ned Beatty to show up somewhere or something, because <laughs> like usually, you know, in these old horror movies, you get at least one star at the time to sort of hang it on a little bit, like even if they're just playing a detective or something. So nothing like that here. Like maybe they're trying to make like future stars. Uh, but mm-hmm. in retrospect, you look back and it's like no one really went on to be anybody here. <laughs> Not really. No, I think Billy Warlock had probably the, the longest career. I mm-hmm. think he worked like, you know, another like, like 15 years in soaps, 15, 20 years, you know, um, you know primarily in yeah t- television stuff. Makes sense. I mean, yeah, uh, but I, I like that too. It added more to like the mystique of the film. I like when we oh, get yeah. like films like this where I can't recognize anyone almost. Mike, right. being, on, being on your show recently for unfortunately Beverly Hills Cop 3, I, uh, <laughs> I kind of expected, yes. sorry, <laughs> I, yeah. I expected Judge Reinhold to show up as a Beverly Hills cop. It didn't happen, unfortunately. So, oh, <laughs> oh man, he would have fit, maybe... fit in, he would have fit in, yeah. yeah, at least a teacher at Beverly Hills Academy, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, if he had dropped his um, his famous like shove it up your ass line from um, from from Ridgemont High, that would have been you know, kind of fitting in a different way here. <laughs> It would. We have a similar line, so yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. So I mean, about drama, that, yeah. Again, there's really not much else to uh, discuss in terms of production. Which again, wait, they don't have like. Is there trivia on how much KY jelly or how much hairspray they went through? Like, there's, oh, there's no fact like no, that. No volume. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, there there, yeah. Are, there are some facts there, but hey, I, could I go mean, it's them. your show. I could list <laughs> no, them. If no, you yeah, want. yeah, no, all ears. I, I d- yeah. I definitely thought there'd be at least like you know they had like this many gallons of KY jelly the most there wasn't anything like that it was more like oh the factory was like what are you insane what are you having an orgy and it's like yeah we're having an orgy but like not kind of like the way you think we are right I mean more of the facts were like uh you know it was inspired by Rosemary's Baby and and stuff like that. whoa wait what apparently (laughs) apparently okay one of the writers went to Beverly Hills High School so. He inspired a lot of the characters after people he knew from Beverly okay. Hills, which makes sense. They seem very that, yeah, that may, yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. an autobiography, kind of, like in a way. <laughs> I think I see the, the the Rosemary's Baby connection as far as like the you know the elite secret society mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. The way uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, 
And yeah, sort of the they, way, yeah. But like that, they keep they took like the gaslighting thing and they reversed it and made it like this guy and like that's something you didn't really see too much of in the nine in the uh, in the eighties. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street two, which is I was uh, thinking sort of the really, exact same thing. Yeah, you, you said that. Yeah, it's like, like the yeah, only other the, good example, really. Yeah, yeah, with like um, you know, kind of a technically like a male scream queen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Nightmare Two is a whole other story, but you know, with the the young male as a as protagonist, and yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. The other notes, if you guys are interested, yes, some of them are really silly. So I figured I wasn't going to say them, but who who cares, right? Billy Warlock actually went to the high school that they shot this at, so that's kind of that's cool. high school centric, Brian. That should have been. In the main section, I think. Fair. I don't know. No, I tell you, you know. He also refused to show his butt in the in the movie. So, <laughs> oh, okay. He would not do back nudity. So. Back frontal. <laughs> Front, uh, yeah. Backle. That's kind of surprising <laughs> to hear. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear that. Like he seems like maybe he was the only one that wasn't a hundred percent gung ho because like the rest of this cast oh, by yeah. the end is like fuck it, we're going for it, man. Like they are in it to win it. So. To think that there was a prude on set. I think that dynamic works because his character is so resistant, you know, and everyone else is just so extreme. That's a good call. Yeah, maybe he knew what he was doing the whole time. He was just kind of keeping it to himself as like part of his method. Yeah, it more speaks to Brian Eusen's casting of like how he saw that character. Makes sense. Two more facts I'll just read off. The film was shot in five weeks. That's right, yeah. And this, I should have said, Mike, because we just talked about this movie a couple of weeks ago. No, actually, we just talked about it last week. But they used the same ticking lock audio loop while when he was in the living room as a film, like I said, we just covered, When a Stranger Calls. Oh, how about that? So just, homage? Just a little personal coincidence with us that no one probably cares about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's super specific. <laughs> but we did talk about on that episode, Brian, how influential that that movie is as a horror film right it's just so amazing that like it seems like everyone watched egg. that movie yeah like everyone yeah. Who did horror watch that movie and took one thing from it it seems like in a weird way what is the thing specifically in when a stranger calls there's like a really loud ticking clock when she's you know waiting for the police to come or whatever i forgot <laughs> but and so but, it's like that same like stock sound they yes used, the or? same exact sound in the studio they used when he's in the living room Oh, that's funny. Okay. Very random. Very specific. Very random. Extremely. Yeah, that's a deep cut for sure. Let's get into it. Let's talk about what you guys enjoy so much about society. First, let's talk about, I guess, like stuff in the first act and at the beginning. Yeah. Um, whoever wants to go first. What do you guys enjoy about this whole setup here? I think they set this up really well right from the jump with the sort of nightmare sequence. It almost reminded me of Risky Business. That opens up with a very strange dream sequence. It's not a horror film, but it is about a high school boy sort of going through a change uh, in his lifestyle and his life and everything. Uh, But I think it really nails that feeling that I think everybody had to one degree or another where it's like they don't fit in anywhere like not even forget school but like your parents just don't understand you know what I'm saying like how could these I even wondered once or twice if I was adopted like I really feel like that sank in uh, sufficiently for me for the rest of the way going forward to sort of buy this character's neurosis and his problems and you know what I'm saying like and everybody telling him it's nothing and no big deal just added to uh, sort of his assurance that he was probably right about everything going on so I, I really liked this you know the first act setup and everything happening here with the, with the family with the 
with the dicks at school, with his <laughs> friends, the whole nine yards. Yeah, Mike, I made a note of that because it's very, like, with all the horror stuff aside, it's very high school. And it's funny because this is one of the rare movies that instead of being like, no, everything's okay, you're going to grow up. I know you feel like you don't fit in, but we've been there. Things are okay. Like everything he feels is validated, which I think is an interesting feeling for a teenager, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like that, that is a very cathartic moment to find out that you were right. <laughs> You're not crazy. <laughs> like everyone else is crazy. Thank goodness. I think whether it's family, friends, or just again, society in general, we've all had our moments where we don't feel like we're the same species as everyone else. And again, like I said, it's validated. What about you, Galen? Anything um, early on that, that really stuck out to you? I agree with everything that Mike just said. I think another thing, you know, kind of back to the, just the just the casting and the character we set up, Bill Whitney's character, Bill Whitney, the character. Mm-hmm. I, I like what they did. They're not incredibly obvious as far as setting up this outsider character. I think it was an interesting choice to... You know, instead of like casting like a typical like nerd like Corey Heyman Lucas or something like that, you know, they went with someone who's like, uh, you know, you know, from the exterior, someone who should be, you know, a relatively popular guy and actually has some of those opportunities presented to him. But still, you know, still underneath that feel has that feeling of being different, has that sense of that, that, that there's something that he's not being told. So it's not, they don't hit you over the head with that. And then, you know, and actually they have that kind of, that kind of red herring of having, the, or that, that kind of, that di- diversion of having the, you know, the sort of the, t- the, like the preppy nerd character who emerges later and plays a pivotal role, you know, like that, you, you would think that, you know, like that's kind of an obvious character. It's like, oh, that's, that's your outsider. That's your, your character. But like, I think it's interesting to have him have that similarity. You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's just a little, his just awareness is just a little different. He's just wired a little differently and very much so as we find out. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think this movie makes a big point by the end of like, looks can be deceiving. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. up front, we don't realize we're getting that sort of foreshadowing with Bill and like that from the outside, he looks like he should be part of this family. Right. He's hot. They're hot. Like everybody in this family is super hot. Like, I don't, you know, superficially yeah. that that's the point, you know? Yeah, up. Yeah. He's but not they, Harry like, Potter ad- living under the stairs, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but they adopted him to raise and eat later. He became a teenager. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, he's a varsity jacket wearing basketball player his license plate says hoops i think who's running for class president like you don't get more mainstream than that yet right yet he's got this feeling which i think is awesome so that's that's a good point yeah yeah really fun <laughs> as a first time watcher <laughs> i i knew yes. we were gonna get some crazy shit but there was actually a part of me it was like is this all going to be one of those movies where it's just a dream like is this in his head is he going to wake up in a hospital on a a straight jacket or something. Mm. I was happy yeah. to be validated that wasn't the case, but I was impressed that this film at least put that thought in my mind that he, at least, you know, in the beginning, that he might just be crazy or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you sort of were touching on that a little before where it's like even, you know, I think that's kind of linked to his appearance a little bit where it's like... He, 
he he's got to be going nuts. Like, there's no way he could really be right. And I think the movie does a pretty slick job of convincing you that he it might all be in his head. And maybe that's a lot of the Rosemary Baby stuff coming through also, now mm-hmm. that I think about it. And sort of just a lot of horror from that era. I think Hitchcock, you know, played played with that a lot pretty well. So... Right. And that, yeah, you know, that, yeah, that it's misdirection. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Something interesting that I read that the director did was um, originally how the film was written is that the question of whether it was real or not was not supposed to be answered till not the end of the film, but at least like kind of late second act, early third act, when we start seeing everyone's shape shifting, if you will. Mm-hmm. But the director wasn't satisfied, so he, they shot the shower scene with the sister where you right. clearly mm-hmm. see her like bending in the shower then he opens up and right where um, her like torso's twisted around mm-hmm. and such but you know again it's like they set up the things like the the audio recording that's that's then been changed and things so there's there's still then it's like you know you don't and i think really until you see the I mean, you, they they set up the little breadcrumbs in the beginning mm-hmm. but there's not the, you don't you don't get that full obvious confirmation until that until that end point yeah i thought it was still effective at that point Hugely. i thought like he he could have still be seeing something but i do like that we it wasn't so much what is the secret it was more like is this real and I, i'm totally cool mm. with that i actually like that mm-hmm. yeah because like what they do the way they stretch or whatever they call it when they pop and stuff like it's just all gross but like the way it is, it's like it's so kind of surreal um, and like shouldn't be, you know, anatomy wise that you're like, I got to be seeing things like for sure. And I was going to ask how you guys liked how they I guess they now we know it went back and sort of peppered in some more of that stuff. I think they teased it really well because it sort of increases a little bit and then by the end you have you still have no idea how far it's going to no. go. Like it goes, I oh, know it, goes <laughs> it goes so far man, like, man i mean gonna... that you know that that first time it's like you know you always remember your first i mean the first time seeing that final climactic you know orgy scene in society it's like you know yeah it's it's pretty pretty harrowing yeah believe it or not i didn't expect it <laughs> yeah i don't think i did either really i mean yeah even when you see you know them having that one sex scene and she starts to twist and things and you're like oh man like it's getting weirder like stuff's happening but like even at that point you're like I, you know how i never would have expected where it ends up yeah because I, th- I think like i even you know like in the horror community and stuff like there are images of this that pop up so i think i had seen like the the butthead moment like on a on you know online and stuff but even <laughs> that you know but even then i didn't know did not see that final that that final group scene coming no oh my god i was like what (laughs) and the funny thing is and you know we could talk about whatever at this point doesn't matter but the funny thing is what is this movie an hour 40 minutes long they're kind of at this final scene and i'm like wait a minute we still have like a half hour left of this film i i kind of expected it to kind of be like one of those quick oh my god but it's like five minutes and you realize it's zombies or maybe 10 minutes or whatever but okay they draw this out in a good way because it keeps pushing that envelope of just weirdness. Right. And again, maybe you guys who are more versed in horror have seen stuff like this, but I'm used to it being, oh, it's a killer, or oh, it's a zombie, or oh, it's some kind of monster I've never seen before. I'm not used to just 
orgies of guts and stretching of people, you know? So it, right. it's genuinely something I had not seen before, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it really works. I mean, they pretty much, you know, once they tease this thing and they, we reveal what it is, it's kind of like that belly of the beast moment in drama, you know, and he's really just, yeah, he's he really has to fight his way out of it, you know, from the lower depths. Yeah. I had almost forgotten that, um, like there's almost, like two endings in there or like mm-hmm. how long the house of horror sequence goes on for that there's like yeah. multiple stages and stuff and it sort of harkens back to like pace wise and and how long they keep it up like there isn't really brian like i feel that much american horror doing stuff like this prolonging uh all this stuff a because they can't they can't they don't have the money or something and but also because they just don't think that like you know this is a kind of a unique a unique case where they reverse engineered it right so they knew this is where all the money was going to go this was the part of the movie they really wanted to make uh so like be damned like we're gonna do like every trick in the book that we can here and you know after it's just like money shot after money shot basically as far as like you know horror horror effects stuff is concerned when i'm looking at it i'm like that's an amazing gag that's an amazing gag like this is amazing like how can they top them oh look they've just topped themselves like again like don't get me wrong like it's revolting and it's disgusting but (laughs) like you know it's not real so like you could kind of revel in it I I heard in an interview uh, with Brian Usna that they filmed the bulk of the orgy in one day wow that's crazy. Yeah, right? That, that's crazy. But I wonder awesome. if that's something you save for the last day or you do that first and get it over with and then the whole crew is sort of like something they bonded over. And then like... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good question. I have a feeling just, just for the way it was shot that he probably did this early on and then it's like, okay, let's take, you know, let's get here, you know, which... <laughs> now let's make our John Hughes part of the movie. Yeah. Right, exactly. And yeah, there's, for, yeah. there's just so many great just high school moments mike when i texted you a couple days ago i'm like this is the movie right that i should be watching you're like yeah and i'm like this is a high school movie you're sure (laughs) but it really is there's so much Mm -hmm. of that like kind of clicks and alienation and it hinges on being a high school movie thematically like i think if anything like um it's a riff on that in a lot of ways that you know nightmare on elm street started off i think that those first like two or three kind of take themselves seriously in a good way and they and they perform really well and like i think this is sort of in the opposite direction where it's like let's sort of make it a satire let's scare them and like let's be horrifying and stuff but like let's also you know, have a wink at the audience and then do that kind of thing too. So I think it's integral to the the whole, you know, genesis of this movie maybe. You know, it was like, I've got this one idea for the mutant orgy. And they were like, well, we have this idea about a high school movie. It's like, okay, cool. Like, let's fuse them together, no pun intended, and see what we get. <laughs> Please make more movies like this because <laughs> because oh, I, yeah. I just, again, I love seeing just the literal school politics where he's running for office. You know, even the scenes yeah. at the beach are cool in, in oh, terms yeah. of like get trying to get invited to the party. And it could be, you know, it feels just like a simple high school movie at, at some point. The scenes where his girlfriend is like finds out he's cheating on her with Clarissa and she's jealous and she has like a valley girlfriend and just the party stuff. Again, give me high school stuff and I'm going to I'm going to be happy. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, so they give you enough of that, but then they they pepper in these other things as far as how it's shot, how it's how it's uh, the tone of it, you know, they definitely you definitely get a sense of that this is something a little different, you know, with his 
hallucinations, these other things. And then, you know, then, then just these other kind of inexplicable, seemingly inexplicable things that then get kind of unpacked later, like the mystery girl, uh, Clarissa, her, her mother. Yes. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Explain that to me, please. Um, Ken, is it explainable? I, I think I that's, I was, is that well, Galen's I mean, point maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what I've had explained to me is from, uh, you know, in, in other, in other sources is that it's, you know, that she's, you know, these are like, like this, this society is a, you know, it's basically like, like I think because at one point they called themselves like aliens or they like an alien race or something. Yeah, that's certainly um, being teased that they're like not from this planet. So I did love But that. they are like from this planet. Yeah, I love like, that. I love that. Yeah. And it's so like I, a they live kind of thing where it's like, yes. you know, all the rich people are aliens, but we might just be from like a parallel Earth but it's never really said. I don't know. Yeah. Is, and so what I've gathered is that, you know, the, like the mother is kind of a lesser form of that, of the, of that alien species. Oh. So it's like, even like, you know, even within that, they have their lesser than they have, they oh, have yeah. the outsiders within their race. And so she's kind of, for lack of a better term, left, lesser developed, underdeveloped version of that. Wow, of, of that race. That's interesting because that could be why, like Jenny, needs to have her coming out party to be accepted, and why the mayor is sort of like can transform and be the leader and do other things. And and it seems right. like there's like this like vampires, like there's this feeding cast of mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. as well that is just there to suck the blood or whatever. So yeah, the, I didn't really pick whatever, up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I didn't really pick up on that, but that's. That's interesting because it. Shows, yeah, I didn't like, pick up on that until that. until subsequent viewings. Yeah, and I love you know on, on that same topic how there's weird stuff, but it does get explained later in a somewhat rational right. way. Another one of them was just the sexual tension between his sister and the parents. I'm like, is he seeing this? Is this so, like this is really weird? But they kind of right. discuss right, like they're just all inbred with each other to keep the line of whatever they yeah. are pure which right. i think it helps explain the mom right it, uh, mm. clarissa's mother possibly is like yeah right well you know we shouldn't be having <laughs> sex with our sister sure. <laughs> right yeah and also to that point like there's the scene when when the mom shows up and like has is like coughing up hair and stuff mm-hmm. so that basically is because you know she's like the others like you know feed off of other people and she's she isn't developed enough to like completely feed off of people she can only really just like eat their hair oh yeah that works and i love cool. when she grabs that one dude and it's a toupee and you just, just <laughs> yeah that's a good payoff i love that when we learn later and again this huge you know big final scene too like I, I think there's almost like a throwaway line where it's like this is something that goes back from caesar to genghis khan and it's like wow well Okay, I got news for the world. A lot of us go back to Genghis Khan. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Oswald had a whole had a whole joke about that. that it's, but I it's take your point, thing. Brian. I hear what you mean. Well, like they I, I they've like been around because... ever, yeah, ever since controlling the direction of humanity. Because it's not just like, oh, this is a Beverly Hills like coven of these beasts or whatever that's happening. It's like it gives you the understanding that all rich society might be descendants uh, from them. You know, it's like mm-hmm. kind of like a world order of this other species yeah. that's controlling the, you know, less than 1% and stuff. And it's, it's, a- and it's just how the world's worked for 
you know, thousands of generations, maybe since the beginning of time. Who knows? Oh, definitely. I just, again, I love how like a couple throwaway lines here or there can create lore for um, an entire film like this. It wasn't just as much as it was the creation. Oh, let me do this and see what happens in terms of like script wise. I love Mm -hmm. how they were able to actually fill in these gaps and make me think like, Oh, you know what? As weird as it is, that kind of makes sense. Well, I think this is something that you might get a lot when you just, like this is kind of, not a convention, but this comes along a lot in science fiction, where there's a ruling class of society that goes. But like this is like I mentioned before, they live like it's sort of a similar premise. I mean, Ronald Reagan is an alien from you know in that movie. Like he's you know he's watching TV and it's always morning in America, um, and so I think that was a very big thing in the '80s, dealing mm-hmm. with Reaganomics, the changing outlook of the economy. You know, the way that the rich were spending and just the the wealth gap and all that stuff was coming through a lot stronger. And I think this movie picked up on it and knew it could do something with it because of, you know, just, I guess, the way their minds were working. Uh, but, like, it's just great that they caught on to that. And playing into the paranoia of that among the... Uh, um, yes, um, among body the snatchers class. kind of thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which, which, they, which they live does really well too that kind of that that conspiracy that you know that that what if you were right you know kind of idea yeah yeah in the 60s it was the red scare and now it's the blue scare you know like it's exactly. <laughs> it's, it's crazy so were there other uh, scenes or moments you wanted to really talk about or focus on i'll start with uh, the iro the red iroc z really brought back some memories like <laughs> i remember seeing that around i grew up in i wouldn't say i grew, there were def there is a section of the town i grew up in that is kind of like that were flesh know, devouring elite society there's members. probably members of society <laughs> living there like you know mm. the hills looking kind of houses and things but um yeah. for the most part it wasn't so much like that but i have i did remember seeing a lot of great looking cars from a lot of rich dicks being driven around <laughs> when i was a little kid so that took me back oh yeah yeah cool cars in this uh you know his, his like wrangler is cool too uh yeah i mean Beverly Hills. I don't know what else to say. Okay, so I mean, we got to talk a little more about like the end scene. Oh, of course. Yeah. I... There's a lot of fun and games kind of getting there. Uh, you know, his friends prank him by pretending that one of them gets their throat slit. Another one does get kidnapped by society. The other one is led to believe that Bill has died. You know, there's all that stuff at the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's less of a prank and more just like a specific diversion right the preppy kid is the like the geeky preppy kid is is there as a foil yeah so there's all these things to sort of i guess steer him in the right direction and or get yeah. everybody or wrong in direction place. yeah that yeah, too kind of, yeah but yeah right, take him off players yeah yeah take the players off course yeah yeah get everybody positioned and all that uh like that's all pretty good you know i think that's a mm-hmm. lot of fun i like him falling in love well maybe he didn't until but like i like clarissa's turn like i think that's interesting yeah i did happens. not see that i, I thought she's she gonna, gonna lose like... her powers or are th- i mean powers is a loose term but... <laughs> i mean right. yeah I, I again i thought she was going to be i thought she was part of the ruse to get him eaten or whatever you know so i was excited to see that she is actually on his side in the end. Um, she she's turned by him somehow. Yeah, there was a lot of those kind of cool moments though. Again, you mentioned the hospital. I wasn't sure if like this was actually him coming out of the hospital because he's got like that sort of attitude when he gets out of the hospital. Like he falls into the trap. I don't want to say almost on purpose, but 
his friend is, is like, they left your car here. Don't you think there's, you know, something's going on? He's like, whatever, you know. Ah! Ah! No! Blanchard? No! Let's get this one out of here. Yes, Doctor. Easy, easy, easy. Oh. Hold this. Oh, um, disconnection of cold. I roll out the red carpet. Bill Whitney never disappoints, huh? <laughs> they said you were dead. Things are just the way they seem. Only more so, Milo. <laughs> what happened? What did they do to you? I'm here, aren't I, huh? I won, Milo. I'm free. They couldn't handle Whitney the Wonder Boy. <laughs> Bullshit. It's a setup. Look, they even brought your sheep here. Come on, they just want me to be happy. <laughs> Bill, you're officially dead. <laughs> Come on, can't you see they're setting you up for something? Paranoid? I'm not paranoid. All my fears are real. Come on. There are a lot of these really cool moments leading up to this ending, but if you want to talk about the ending, I mean, it's, again, it's more than just a little quick scene here. It's a third of the movie almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, like, you know, it's, like you said, like, there's, like, this multi-part conclusion to this, and the first one is when they eat his friend in front of him, and... Blanchard, just, yeah. Yeah, and he's the one who's sort of been, like, blowing the whistle the whole movie from the very start. Apparently, he was his sister's ex-boyfriend. I don't buy that. Like, <laughs> she she was using him and setting him up for this whole thing, perhaps. But uh, he Yeah, I think he was it. more of a pawn, and I think he might have, uh, you know, she, he, she might have been leading him on, and he took it a little more seriously than she maybe intended. He's like kind of like stalker, you know, kind of comes off yeah. as like a stalker in the yeah. beginning, like hiding in her closet and shit. Yeah, yeah he's got no they, tact. No, no, no tact thought, at all. Yeah. I thought they played that so well because I was kind of inclined at the beginning not to really believe him so much because he seemed like a weirdo stalker. He didn't seem like. Yeah, the creep. Incredible. Yeah. A credible source, yeah. Absolutely. So I think they do a great job of creating this like mutant orgy monster thing of a thousand people it reminds me a little i don't know i mean brian i'm sure you've not seen this because you know it's sort of actually maybe a more recent horror film but james gunn slither yes yeah it, it has sort of a moment like this i guess you could say uh one or two mm -hmm. perhaps uh it's up there on the gross meter and everything yeah, but... that kind of parasitic uh, right. sexual thing yeah yeah very sort of sexual very just all disgusting and everything like that Gross sexual and slimy and, and weird yeah mm -hmm. but you know once you see it you understand i think why that kid acts the way he does like how do you rationally explain this like even now on a podcast it's almost like you just have to kind of like take our word for it like go watch this movie and <laughs> uh experience this you know on-screen menagerie for yourself yeah i'm always thinking while i'm recording these like 
uh, about the episode, obviously, and dropping it. And, you know, when I throw some clips in here, they're like, what clip are you supposed to throw for this? Just the sound of, of people, like, licking yeah. each other and, like, <laughs> grossness and sweatiness. I know there's some dialogue. I'll, I'll find It's just, like, <laughs> yeah. sucking and licking and gestating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you, again, yeah, you have to kind of take our word for it. But I think, again, it's like no soundbite is going to give you the, you know, the full experience. I mean, yeah, you just have to. And yeah, and it's and you don't want to tease too much. You know, it's just like, yeah, you just you have to just experience it for yourself. Absolutely. It's pretty it's it's pretty crazy, though, like, you know, thinking about it now, having it kind of fresh in my mind because I, I watched it today. It seems like they got exactly what they were set out to get with that whole sequence. If you mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, you know, like it's like a short film almost. Like there's there's like acts to the whole eating or whatever they call it the the eat the when they eat the kid and all this. I mean, it just keeps going and going and yeah, I just you know the way that it's shot and the way that it's cut just proves once again. I think the more I go back to watch these horror films, that it's just like practical effects, man. Like you know, you, you we never should have strayed that far, but I, I you know, whatever. That's a that's another hill for another episode. I just need to <laughs> say that, that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like when they when we go when we go into like the you know, belly of the beast, you know, when they ha- we go into that final scene. Yeah, I mean the way no that it's intended, right? The way that it's the way that it's presented, the way the you know the the way that it's shot, the way that it's lit, it does make kind of a, an abrupt change, an abrupt shift at that point. Yeah, it's very red. Yes, very red. Yeah. Is this inspired by any certain sort of like artist or painter or anything? Well, or was it just the effects designers' sort of idea? If I didn't mention it before, it was very Salvador Dali. Like that was yeah, oh, right, yes, okay. right. Yeah, but the, yeah, but then you're getting yeah, you have almost like a like, you know like almost like a Giger kind of thing yeah. going on, or like Hieronymus Bosch kind of. Yeah, I was just gonna say, it reminded me of that famous like Bosch triptych. Yes, the the circles of hell and, and such. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. There's that kind of very visceral kind of sliminess and all of that. You know, monstrous element of it and yeah and then but but yeah with the dolly with just a kind of you know melting people instead of clocks but <laughs> yeah but like the sort of um like the repetition i think i don't know if that's a dolly thing but i certainly get a surrealistic uh feel where it's just like you know multiple eyes on like there's too many eyes on that head or like there's too many arms on that body or like you know those two mm-hmm. things should like sort of like the thing where you see all the dogs merging and it's like well there shouldn't be a two-headed dog right there like that's <laughs> surreal I mean, my mind can't really oh yeah yeah there is, there is a thing yeah it's like that as far as like the way that the aliens form and all of that and amongst this chaos amongst the, what's whatever is going on here there's still an order to their so-called society too right it's not Mm. like a bunch of like wolves devouring on a carcass right like there's certain people who are eating but there are also certain people who are guarding the next body um there are certain people who just have a lick or two and then they you know the parents go off i assume they think they're just going to eat the child they raised later or something right they're just kind of warming up yeah yeah it does it doesn't feel like again like that the whole like, oh, we're thinly veiled animals and these are just animals too and they're just taking what they can get. Again, amongst the grossness, there is a weird hierarchy, which I love to see here. Yeah, there's an order. I mean, yeah, there's a, yeah, a pecking order. I mean, still kind of harkens back to a certain tribalism as far as what is 
what is dispersed mm-hmm. to whom and that sort of thing and kind of who, and who determines that. Uh, but yeah, it's it, yeah, it's interesting in that way. Yeah, and it, it makes it again, maybe I'm reading too far into it, but it makes me it feel ancient to me and and like that this is something that they've been doing for thousands of years. maybe not these exact people i don't know how long like i don't know if it's like vampires that they live forever or right it's just generations of them and stuff like who knows and it doesn't really matter but it definitely seems like like it's been going on for a while you, you get that sense of like you know they are kind of like spores just like constantly just you know regenerating feeding off people and regenerating it's very it's very ancient, very primal in that way, this tradition. I think it does a really good job of like not just like by combining all these different themes, but all these different tropes from horror throughout time. Like, you know, there's just like vampires go back like a long way. There's a little touch of that, this, like everything we've sort of been, been talking about. And then on the other end with like all of the sort of the social cast and even in the high society ranks i've been watching a lot of secession on hbo and catching up with that show and that came to mind because i'm watching that going like holy shit like the latter (laughs) is the worst on and you know sort of more like the more rich and wealthy you are uh sort of like the more menial like all the shit you have to do to sort of get ahead actually becomes it's almost like what's it worth sometimes and so uh, I love picking up on that a lot more now and reading into it. And the next time I watch this, which there will definitely be a next time, uh, I'm going to focus a lot more on sort of like who's in the upper ranks and who's sort of more outcast. Side note, I, I knew we couldn't get through a, a discussion of a genre film without mentioning the word trope. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you got to ring a bell or do yeah. whatever you do. Someone's or... got to do a shot at home <laughs> listening right now. <laughs> Was there anything else you guys specifically wanted to mention when it comes to society in terms of just scenes and moments or anything like that? So for me, I just had one other note, really, that I just, you know, I guess I can't not... Well, okay, two. So the first one is, like, the the evil, I guess we could say, jock. His name is Ted Ferguson, which is extremely close to Turd Ferguson. And I don't know when people started saying Turd Ferguson, if that was was before this movie. Did anyone... Uh, had anyone said it publicly before or like, or, or widely um, before Norm MacDonald said it as um, <laughs> as Burt Reynolds on uh, on SNL? I that's thought that's exactly where it came from, yeah. See, that's where I thought it came from, too. And I'm wondering if it's, uh, you know, maybe one day you watch Society and you got a joke idea based off this name. But that's all I could <laughs> keep thinking of. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, him. Maybe that was the one where he was wearing the big hat and he's like, got a big hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big so hat. there's it's funny. There, there was that. And then the last thing is at the very end, you know, Brian, uh, this has come up before, but um, some of my favorite things about certain era of horror movies are the endings and the way that they just kind of cut off. They don't even really end. There's sometimes there's mm. a freeze frame and the credits will roll for, for half a minute. Other times it'll just cut the black in the middle of a, of a line. And that that's kind of what happens here. We yeah. don't really get any like epilogue or conclusion. He gets away, but they're still alive. They're still going. Like, yeah, everyone but the kid Turd Ferguson, who he like... <laughs> beats up and pulls you know his insides out which was jesus yeah well we have to be specific with the term that with the terms they use shunting yes okay. <laughs> yes he shunted them hard yes yeah that's a big part of their ritual is the shunting yes oof oof i mean yeah i mean let's 
kind of back up and, and talk. Yeah, about we gotta. Yeah, right we gotta. We, yeah, we gotta. We gotta stretch that out, so to speak. Because, <laughs> because, like you know, he's captured, and then he. Obviously, we've discussed that he has allies. Uh, the the one friend sneaks in as a cop. He has Clarissa, but it eventually right. kind of leads to like a mano a mano fist fight, which. I did not expect that we would get here. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love seeing it. Like, again, Mike, we talked three o'clock high a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So we kind of get that that kind yeah, of it's, moment. Yeah, there. almost kind of predates the mutual crotch grab in uh, Tammy the T-Rex. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Cage and Valley Girl, like, got into a fight backstage at the prom to defend his girl's honor. So, like, it's a very high school trope. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, whoa, we're even getting it here. Yeah. They spin it on its head, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> and we have this, uh, honestly, like a really cool fight. And it what what it pretty much ends with him shunting. Sorry, I should say Billy or Bill, is it? Shunting. Bill Whitney is the character, yeah. yeah. Bill shunting his rival uh, in a you know very, very gruesome way. You eventually right. you, see, you see his hands coming out of his mouth. And I mean, right. Bill's yeah. hands so coming for, out of his rival's mouth. <laughs> yeah, so for that, so yeah, he basically, uh, you know, so for those who don't have a clear picture, you know, he basically sticks his hand up the dude's nethers and it comes out the, it comes out his mouth. And then like his like face p- p- pulls apart. And then he like basically turns him inside out. Oof. Oof. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and it's this like weird triumphant moment among the chaos that's pretty cool to see. And and you're right, Mike, like he ends up getting away with two survivors. Like and I guess yeah. Clarissa's not really a survivor. She just joined the team and but I thought that was so cool to see because you rarely see that. It's usually just like one person. If they escape, they just kind of like you said, briefly escape and that's it, and it's one person. But uh yeah, I mean I guess what what did you guys think of how this movie ended specifically that well that's the thing right is like it's like it's not over they get away but then like the mayor turns around and he's like basically looks at the other dude and he's like want to be president he doesn't say like that but he's like i got an opening in washington and i sort of thought that was the hint is like oh great like they're just gonna this was just like nothing to them Mm. oh big deal like we didn't get to eat the other kid but like you know none of us are dead like we're all good to go like let's just keep going right. with our own life so that was bizarre uh that that, that yeah happened. i mean there are survivors but they're not it's not a takedown it's like it, yeah i mean yeah it's like yeah this dude's this dude's dead but um you know or whatever is left of him yeah they're not you know he hasn't you know he he hasn't taken he hasn't taken down the hive he hasn't killed the queen or anything yeah i mean like it's a it's a little body snatchers but it's too sort of it's played too much as like a joke for me to take it seriously like they're gonna actually conquer the world where it's like at the end of body snatcher the guy is like stark raving mad in the middle of the street screaming they're here they're here and in here it's just like another friday night for these for everybody for for the society people and stuff like that so like i just kind of wished maybe someone set a fire and it got out of hand and they all burned together to the ground it just had more of a vibe like to that is where it was going and if they want it to be the sort of like there's no stopping us thing i really wish we just had more of a button to sort of accentuate mm. that instead of just like that weird line with a freeze frame <laughs> yeah it's a little it's a little jarring it's it, but i mean i think it's i mean it gives you that kind of false victory moment you know kind of it gives you that sort of <laughs> that, that sort yeah. of that sort of high school you know trope 
you know, back again, you know, so to say, you know, like, <laughs> oh, this, you know, that triumphant moment. And then, then that cut back of like, they're like, eh, another day. I like now, see, the more, I'm glad I'm watching, I'm talking about this with people who've seen the movie. Cause like, there's no one to talk to the, about with this movie. When I showed it to my roommate, <laughs> I didn't see her for like two or three days. Like she did not want anything <laughs> to do it. But like it, it, saying, this, she, this is the, this is the kind of movie that can end friendships. <laughs> but, and relationships. But, and, yeah. Yeah, estranged family members. Yeah, saying shit like that like gives me pause for like, oh, there's definitely more rewatchable value in this for me at least. You know that I can see more now. You can you know dig even deeper. Like now that we're talking about it, like you're bringing all these you know other things to light for me for the first time, or I've I've not noticed that I've noticed them at least. (laughs) Right, Galen. Anything else you want to mention in regards to society before we move on to our regular weekly questions? No, I mean, I think we pretty much we pretty much covered everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think what really what what makes this work is just the slow burn and then just this just incredibly bizarre, just completely singular climax. And um, yeah, I also I love the the little callback with the um, the alien mom who the friend the friend um you know, makes an ally with when, you know, she's kind of, she kind of has the hots for him and then, you know, like lets him, uh, you know, and kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> becomes an ally for him. Like that was yeah. just, just very weird and made me laugh. Um, I mean, I think her, her, her whole character is a little problematic, but I mean, I thought that that was, that made me chuckle. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly very uh, memorable and interesting. Yeah, very, yeah, not very PC, but it's, yeah, but it, 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 was, it that was fun. I guess the only other thing I had in my notes was, uh, let's see, I want to give the right quote. Oh, don't count on it, butthead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then the callback, I am a butthead. Yeah. Bill, don't be disrespectful to your mother. My mother. God knows where my mother is. I won't tolerate this language from you, young man. Fuck you, butthead. Bill, how dare you use the F word to your father? Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Mom. Prefer the word copulation? Oh, what do you want in your tea? That was... Or do you want me to pee in it? Yes. (laughs) Yes, okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, Uh, yeah, how can we not have mentioned this? Okay. Oh, my God. Back (laughs) up. How do you like your tea? Cream? Sugar? Or do you want me to pee in it? I mean, I don't know if we want to set that scene or whatever, but that was, I was like, did she, did she say that? Okay, I have the subtitles mm-hmm. on. She and did. he still makes out with her afterwards. He's like, you're kind of pushing it. <laughs> I'm like, kind of push What? Yeah. How yeah. do you like your tea? Green sugar? Or would you like me to pee in it? <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yes. There are some lines in this film. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. When the mayor says, "I I love the thrill of the hunt," that was a gr- that was a great moment. Yeah. When uh, yes, and I love the I love the bit when he absorbs uh, the guy's beauty mark. That was a great touch. Oh yeah, Oof. Oof. yeah, Again, yeah. That's was... one of those movies. Like, if you're into it, you have to see it. I get why some people might not be into it if they're just not into oh, the yeah. genre. Yeah, I mean, because this goes extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, Brian, to answer your question way back in the beginning, why it's not sort of regarded as a classic and more of like a cult film is very much because that it's it's a marathon at the end there. Like it is asking you to really, you know, push your limits, even for someone like me, because like I don't I don't you know, I'm not into stuff like Saw movies and things like what kind of came to be termed as like 
what was it? Torture like, porn? Torture porn, exactly. Yeah, I'm not like, into that either so much. Right. But like this, on the other hand, I could kind of, right? This is the endurance test kind of stuff that I don't want to say I get off on because I, you know, not in that sense, <laughs> but like that, that tests my limits. Like these are the kind of limits I'm comfortable testing, I guess you could Same. say. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the Cronenberg stuff, you know, this sort of, this, this kind of heavy sort of, um, it has that, that sort of that batshit, just, you know, the, the, the weird quotient. If you, you yeah. know, it, when it has that, when it balances out with that, it's strangely a little more palatable for me. I mean, if there's nothing else, let's get to our awards. I don't think a lot of them are going to translate here because these are mostly done for John Hughes films or stuff like that. But who knows? <laughs> we'll try our best. So here goes. And Mike, I'll ask you to go first since you're the veteran on these questions just to kind of light the way. All right. First, Wooderson Award. And that's uh, for a character you would have liked to see more of. Was there anyone here who you're like, huh, that person was interesting? Oh, um, hmm. That's a tough one. I guess, you know, maybe if, I don't know, I know, I'm just going to go with my first instincts, and I'm going to say Clarissa's mom. Uh, like Clarissa did not explain it all in this movie and I don't need it like all explained, but like I would have loved just a couple more shots even of, of her just like putting her hair up in a mohawk or, you know what I'm saying? Like eating somebody on her own. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe she's not like the best representation. Okay. But like we're dealing, I don't feel that, and this might not sound great but like i don't feel that bad because everybody in this movie we're making fun of is white so like whatever across the board for me in this day and age but like yeah you know that is a very intriguing aspect of this movie that they do not give a hint about like we all have to sort of come to our own conclusions about her and i just wish there was sort of like more like that in this movie that makes sense uh how about you galen anyone here who you would like to see more of i mean my my original answer was the same i mean i i definitely as you know as as much i can see you can interpret that character you know kind of both ways i love that character i would have i would have liked to you know just seen that unpacked a little more because again like they're you know, the, you know, kind of who that character was, I had to kind of, I only got it after subsequent viewings and having it kind of broken down for me. So I would have liked to have seen a little more, like Mike said, of her trying to eat someone or, you know, just her kind of being, being more of the, the outsider of this elite group, I think is an interesting idea. I would have liked to see more of that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, kind of the opposite question, Long Duck Dong Award, and it doesn't have to be racial or anything like that, but is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Is there anyone you would delete from the film? It could be, again, insensitivity or confusion or whatever, really. Um, not really that I can see. Like, I think it does a pretty good job of uh, with the other characters of giving you pretty much what you need. You know, I think if anything, there might just be like another person I'd want more of. And maybe that's like his sister. Like maybe we could do like a little more with her and her friends and see them out. But, you know, yeah, I can't think of anybody you could. I don't know. Not, nothing comes to mind. Anyone for you, Galen? Not really. Again, I think everyone kind of serves their purpose. Everyone is is showing a different a different aspect of the of the of the elite or the um, or and or the outsiders. And um I mean, even I mean, I guess the, the the like the only thing is like the the one I would I would want to see at least played a little differently or not at all is like the um, 
the preppy kid. I mean, that kind of, that, that kind of leans into a little more of the stereotype, but it's like, mm-hmm. but at least, but, but, you know, but he, he's a, but he's a key part of the plot. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, pretty much it. What did you guys think of the whole like therapist angle? I liked it. I think, I mean, I, again, it, it gives the, it gives him an, I mean, it's a, it's a device obviously to give, you know, for him to be able to confess his, like process these things he's feeling and it gives, you know, cause other, because there's really no one else that he, he can turn to. So I think, I mean, it's certainly, I think now it's certainly become a, it's become a cliche, but I think it's, um, it definitely works. And then, and then it's great that the therapist is in on it, is in on it too, you know, certainly breaking the, the doctor patient confidentiality. <laughs> so I read that this was like one of the last elements they added, the, the fact that this guy was his therapist too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I don't know. That's why I asked to see if it, like, if you, I think like, you know, if, if poor Nancy had a therapist back in nightmare on Elm street, like, I feel like, you know, it would have helped someone right. like her in that position. But in here, it's weird how they're, they're sort of framing therapy in a negative connotation and uh, or maybe something that only like rich people can afford. And even at that, it's like head shrinking quackery. Um, and I think I feel like that was a big 80s criticism of people who, oh, yeah. I don't know, couldn't afford or didn't believe in it and that whole thing. And, and now, you know, that it, we understand it to be like kind of vital in a lot of circumstances. Uh, it just could have been, you know, another sort of stab at the elite and uh, connection mm-hmm. there, too. So. That makes sense. Yeah. This award, the Cameron Fry Award, again named after Alan Rock's 30-year-old performance of a high schooler in Ferris Bueller, which, which, I, love, which talk, I love. Talk about secession. He's the uh, <laughs> oldest brother on that show. That is true. So. Yeah. so my question to you is, of the high schoolers, did anyone look out of place for being a high school student? Too old or whatever? Yeah, I don't really think so. I don't so. know. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe Ted Ferguson a little bit. Um, but you know, yeah. he, looked, he looked a little mature. Yeah, but not really. Yeah, nothing was crazy here. I thought, like, the fact that they didn't, I'm going to use the word again, but, like, that they didn't fall too much into tropes with a lot of people helped. And, again, if he was going to be anything, he was, they're, like, rich, preppy people who are also shape-shifting kind of monster things. So it didn't right. really matter how they looked to me at the end of the day. So I, I, exactly, I think. Exactly, yeah, because they're all just, you know, you know, like squirming flesh piles at the end. <laughs> yeah, so again, yeah, I don't think it was pretty applicable in this film oh what that makes me wonder like are they like ageless or do they have to keep feeding and is that the whole idea is that why like the parents are older because they i don't know never mind we don't have to get into all that but (laughs) yeah like do are they are they assuming are they just are they assuming human form do they have an alien form like what is it just a shell can they be older if they wanted to are they just playing this age for now like it almost feels you could almost see it like that like hey let's go like now's our turn to be a rich family from beverly hills for 100 years like let's go like now's our turn to like go be on the riviera for 50 years Mm -hmm. like (laughs) we've got this whole society exchange program happening in my head yeah yeah no i mean but i like that i i like how not all the questions are answered and stuff it just helps with the lore a little bit in my mind Okay, so on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this 55%, the audience 51%, so kind of the same. Again, I mean, 
we've said it here, it's probably not a movie for everybody. So I could imagine if I did a deep dive of these reviews, they're probably fairly polarizing rather than a meh kind of thing. But of course, this is High School Slumber Party. We do our report card thing, A plus to F grades. So Mike, with you going first, what grade, you know, again, enjoyment level and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What grade will you give society? I mean, I just... It just keeps going up every time I see this. So, you know, not, I mean, I gotta just preface, you know, I don't feel like this is for, I mean, I don't want to sound like a fucking gatekeeper or anything, but like, I honestly feel like you should, like, kind of have a foothold in horror before you get to this one. Like, watch a bunch of popular stuff and then sort of seek this out. This isn't one you sort of go to first. I feel a little bad, Brian, that, like, you, I've been subjecting you to horror movies for about a year and a half now, and like <laughs> we've reached this so quickly, but here we are. However, I'm I'm going to give this one a solid A in my class. Like this one has everything that I love about horror films of the time, and I think it holds up incredibly. I think it's always going to hold up, basically. Like this is just going to be a problem forever. So uh, it's always going to be a relevant movie, and I love it. So A. Solid A. Awesome. What about you, Galen? I agree. I think it's a, a film that needs to be, um, you know, you you grade it within the within that scale, within the the context of, of horror, and you know, especially this kind of horror, you have to you you have to have a have a certain kind of context. It's not, you know, there's yeah, you have to kind of, it's something you definitely have to ease into. But I think I would, I mean, I would give it like a, I would give it like a good A minus. I think it's, you know, I mean, it has that kind of raw B-movie quality to it. There's some things that are, you know, a little wonky here and there as far as the presentation. But, like, overall, just on an experience level, it's just, it's it's really top-notch. So, yeah, I would get, yeah, A-minus for sure. That's the word for me right there is as an experience, on an experiential component level or something like (laughs) yeah this is offering a singular experience as a movie i feel like visually at least you know thematically like we've gone into all these other ways that it's similar to other things and stuff but visually you're never going to see a feast like this anywhere else so i i feel i mean not that i gave this a bad review but i might bump my grade up to get on the a range so i originally gave this a b plus I am the mm-hmm. horror novice, but you know what? I'm going to give it the A minus just to get on board with you guys. So straight A's, <laughs> so hey, it can get straight right. A's. And because again, if you're into this, I think it's super cool, Mike. I, I know you've tried to help me out with the horror thing in the past, and if you started me off with this film, I might be a little, you know, confused <laughs> or, <laughs> or or grossed out or something. But it, you know, I, I'm in the mood for this kind of stuff right now, and I thought it was awesome. And so, Galen, I sincerely thank you for recommending it and you know, opening my eyes to it. Uh, again, no, no puns here. Absolutely. Well, 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 yeah, ab- absolutely. It's, it's been my pleasure. And I guess I would, um, I would pose a question back to you guys, um, having watched this and seeing, you know, a lot of discussing the relevance of it. Do you think this movie is uh prime for a remake? Oh, okay. So I thought a lot about this. I thought long and hard about this and all stretchy about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I okay so like I do and I and I don't like I almost want like a sequel like a pseudo sequel and like not even called society too but like you kind of figure out along the way like holy shit this is a sequel to society do like a um do like a Shyamalan almost yeah in the way that yeah those two the unbreakable universe is sort of connected in that way right it, yeah so you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't like a direct remake. I would like it to sort of, you know, obviously take place today, but I'm concerned about the effects. I just, it's something that CGI would love to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just has that 
vibe to it where it's like, oh, well, we clearly have to do this on the computer these days. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, they didn't. So we don't. You know what I mean? Like, I just, that's my only sort of misgiving about it. But I think this is, I think this would do great today in the right hands. Sam Raimi, maybe? I don't know. Peter Jackson. I got some early Peter Jackson vibes. Have you seen his early Aussie oh, stuff yeah, or New absolutely. Zealand stuff? Yeah, yeah. Dead Alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So I think it's possible. I'd watch it. Now that I know what it is, I'd watch it, tell you that much. Yeah. Same. I'm so glad yeah. this didn't turn you off, Brian, that you weren't like, okay, no more horror. This is it. I closed <laughs> the book. Like, But you're down. Now that I know you're down well, for this ride, Like, I have a lot of faith in you. <laughs> well, it didn't feel like gore for gore's sake, you know, like it was explained. So, And I appreciated that. I mean, I know some people probably won't agree with that statement, but whatever. <laughs> some more questions, though. Some more questions. A couple of them. All right. Now, every week I ask this question. So, you know, obviously, Mike, start with you. But if you had to invent a sleeping bag that you'd bring to our slumber party that was society-themed, what would it look like? Oh, well, I mean, it would look like a little like Jenny, a little like Jenny's dad, um, a little like... Clarissa, uh, it would, uh, you know, it would just be like this big patchwork mess of, uh, of people sewn together. I mean, made out of like cotton. I'm not saying like made out of actual human skin and body parts, but like it would be very society themed, you know, I would, I would zip myself up and it would look like it was just some kind of big old ball of flesh monster. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Galen, you're a first timer. Some people don't understand the weirdness of this question, but um, <laughs> what would your high school slumber party sleeping bag that society themed look like? Um, well, I mean, I think I, I would just want to, it would just be a tribute to the mom. I would just, ha- it would just have, it would just have the mom's image, just, you know, probably like eating something, you know, because the mom didn't get enough love. So awesome. I love that as well. Okay. So. We're in our magical blockbuster that defines time and space and everything. We're having our slumber party. We know we're going to rent society, but we see that there's a deal that we need to rent two movies to get one free. So each of you get a pick. What other movies are we renting on this slumber party that we're also watching society on? You get it. <laughs> um, okay, Brian. So, like, I know I've, I'm on this show a lot, and I always forget <laughs> to pick a movie because <laughs> sometimes, and sometimes I have to pick two because I'm the only guest. But I came prepared because this reminded me very much of a movie from the '90s, I think, starring Ed Bagley Jr. called "Meet the Applegates," and "Meet the Applegates" is about these super intelligent enormous praying mantis that what? live in the suburbs under the, this under the guise of a sort of like Brady Bunch family like the all Ameri- I would say more of like the all American family you know like the wife the two kids and and they're there to infiltrate our society I can't remember why it's been a while since I've seen this movie but there's a lot of it's it's there's a satire an envi- there's an environmental theme that's it yeah it's a the very heavy they're there to sabotage theme. yeah like mm. probably the toxic waste and everything they actually have like a pot we find they actually have a positive message oh so you, you've you're familiar Galen? I have yes it's, okay. actually, it's um it's from the it's actually from the the same director of Heather's. Oh, okay. Now you're uh, now again you're speaking my language. <laughs> Brian, two of the Applegates are high school kids, so it might fall under oh. your umbrella one day. You mm. never know. But never I mean, know. it's a it's a supremely weird film. I thought I this it's weird. There was a 
string of movies where I thought I sort of imagined like this arachnophobia and Edward Scissorhands when they came out in movie theaters I was like those are those were real trailers like these are real movies like yes. that are happening and stuff and like definitely meet the Applegates I saw that trailer in front of a lot of VHS growing up and I finally got to rent it and I was like I don't what the fuck is this this is insane it was definitely one I saw at the I saw the the video box at the at the video store a lot and all just like it's, it's just the image of the of the family with like little um, with little insect antennae, um, and I never <laughs> yeah understood. I, yeah, I was always it always it always piqued my curiosity. Oh, good pick! You've piqued my curiosity now, Mike. How about you, Galen? <laughs> What's our other movie that we're gonna have on the slumber party? I actually I did um, I did think about this, and I would pick around the same time. And I think it might actually be the same year as. Uh, society was um, the the Randy Quaid movie Parent. Oh yeah, Someone told me about this once. I think What's probably yeah. Larson. Yeah, With, probably yeah Larson, it's a, yeah. it's 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 set in the fifties, and a uh, a young boy is uh, you know kind of lives in you know kind of typical all American family, white bread all American family, and comes to discover that his his parents are are murderous cannibals. Wow, <laughs> I think th- is this directed by Bob. Balaban, if yes, I'm not mistaken. Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that amazing, Brian? That is amazing. <laughs> okay, so what was yours called again, Mike? Meet the Applegates. Meet the Applegates, parents, and society. That sounds society. like a very, it's a very good. Fun. It's a good triple feature, I think. I yeah, think that'll, so that'll mess you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds in a good awesome. way. Well, guys, this was a blast. I mean, it was fun talking to both you guys. Fun watching this film. You know, again, thank you, Galen, for bringing it to my attention. And thank you for your enthusiasm, Mike. Uh, So first, Mike, and then Galen, where can people follow you if they so choose? What are you up to? Oh, plugs. Yeah, so you could find all my stuff on cageclub.me. Um, I do, I've do. i done a bunch of shows there. Currently, my show is called Third Time's a Charm, where I look at the third installment of a franchise. So I've watched a lot of part threes in my time. Brian is my unofficial co-host over there when, you know, not just when I can't get a guest, but, you know, whenever <laughs> I want him on, uh, he is there to answer the call. So thank you very much. Uh, those come out the third of every month, sometimes Sometimes uh, halfway through the month, I'll release a bonus episode. And then um, I just concluded the Cruise Club, Tom Cruise podcast with Joey. Uh, so go check out all those episodes. And we are in the middle. Uh, I guess we, you could say we're in the tail end of our Tom Hanks run, Hanks for the Memories, over there on Tom Tom Club. So, uh, you know, some good episodes out now. Um, there's kind of a little run he does where it's like, you know, Cloud Atlas. And I think... Um, he goes back and works with Spielberg for Bridge of Spies pretty soon. So some good stuff in there. And Fun. yeah, so everything at cageclub.me. And, and Galen, and I was perusing through your IMDb before, and a lot of stuff coming up, it seems like. But where can people follow you, find you, and is there anything you want to plug in specifically? Yeah, I'm most active on uh, my Instagram, which is just at Galen Howard, G-A-L-E-N. And then, um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, activity's been pretty limited during the quarantine as far as projects, but some stuff I've done in the in the past is, uh, you know, making the rounds right now. I did a really fun um, low-budget and uh, kind of hangout ensemble comedy called I'll Be Around. I have a fun part in that. And um, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of set in the LA uh, aging hipster music scene. That one's really fun. It's done, done a few festivals. And, um, and then I've, yeah, I've been doing um, 
more, uh, you know, I've been showing up on, you know, weird, uh, fun podcasts, you know, and, and stuff like this one. And I did another on another genre podcast called uh, Strong Language Violent Scenes, where we talk about the um, the another insane movie, uh, Rubber. If you haven't seen that, that's an, that's absolutely nuts. Um, so, yeah, I've been do- yeah, doing things like that. Awesome. I mean, that sounds great. And this was a pleasure. So <laughs> when when we first connected i was like you look so familiar and then when i was looking at your imdb i realized like uh, you were in that justin timberlake video i sure was yeah i've done a, done a handful of music videos i did that one i did one i i did one for a weezer that uh was that went viral that was that was fun oh, yeah, what Weezer yeah. video were you in it was for a song uh, they did a, a few years back called uh, uh thank god for girls Oh, and um, they had an official video, but then they also did this lyric video that ended up actually becoming more popular. And it's basically just three minutes of me eating cannoli. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've definitely seen that then. But you know what? It's that glorious mustache. I, I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> thank, thank you for it. coming on the show. And pleasure. I really appreciate it. And Mike, as always, a pleasure. And we'll definitely have you on again because, again, you have a list of three so there's a mysterious two other films that i definitely want to have you on for so excellent once again guys really appreciate it big thank you to both the mikester and galen howard for stopping by for society what a weird film what a cool film if you're into it you're going to be into it and if you're not you're not simple as that (laughs) but yeah galen will be back for sure and we know the mikester is going to be back on high school slumber party so once again want to thank those guys so much for stopping by check them out check out mike's other shows cage club cruise club uh hanks for the memories what else oh third time to charm duh <laughs> and check out all the cool stuff galen's doing as well he's really awesome i'm happy to meet a new person on high school slumber party who can join us for future slumber parties that's always awesome so Speaking of future slumber parties, we, of course, have a Monday slumber party, but those aren't the fun ones. No, 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 no. Those are work. Those are babysitting Mondays, and they continue. And Monday is a fun one. One of our favorites, Joe 2, is going to be here. And come on, what do you think? He's brought us a Lifetime movie. The Lifetime movie is called Babysitter's Black Book. I'm sure you're aware how serious this is. Each of you will have a turn to tell us what happened. Just tell us the truth from the beginning. In today's economy, the companies that succeed, they provide a service that people really need. Babysitting, tutoring for overwhelmed, busy parents, we provide relief. I mean, me, Mark, and the kids, we'd be lost without you. So there are 11 of us working now, including my three best friends. Is there any other services you can provide? Hey, Rachel. Want to give me a hand in here? You're getting paid to have sex while you're tutoring? Didn't Miss Palmer say something about expanding our services? I'm working my ass off trying to figure out how to pay for college. We have to tap into your college fund. This is your ticket out of your parents' pro-gas life. Not like we're walking the streets. Are all the dads into this? In or out, Ash? This is just about money for college, not prostitution. Yeah, right. <laughs> do this it's all downhill from here one thousand dollars each the life you always wanted do not worry that this is all just gonna blow up in our faces you can't keep showing up at my house like that i just don't want you having sex with other people i want your friend walter wants you now this is not a choice this is a nightmare 
I feel dirty. I want out. Goody goody Ashley's a hooker. You can't just make up crap and spread it around. Promise me you'll keep quiet. I will tell the school, the media, basically the whole world. It's gonna get bad. Top students at this beloved high school are turning tricks to finance college. You're not a part of this, are you? Everybody knows. Did you have sex with Ashley? I have to look at what I did for the rest of my life. She's a child. I made a mistake. You've broken the law. I'll try you for the rape of a minor. The DA wants a formal investigation before making a decision on what charges to file. I worked my whole life for this. I saw my future. I'm so sorry. Now I see nothing. I don't plan on getting into any more trouble ever. Watch the movie. I think it was free on Prime. But even if you don't watch the movie, you know Joe 2 will keep you filled in on all the glory that are Lifetime films, Lifetime teen films, and a babysitting one to boot. I really can't wait. And remember, that's next Monday. It's going to be awesome. Same high school slumber party time, same high school slumber party channel. We are proud members of that Cage Club podcast network woohoo one more time i want to remind you guys to check out the ryan stick show i posted it on our facebook i'm going to try to post it on twitter he's awesome thank you again ryan for inviting me and there's i don't know i wanted to say something else it's pretty somber somber is a bad word it's let's just say it's hopeful so when i was in high school i was a punk not a punk rocker i mean i was just like an asshole kid no one liked me i mean i had friends but I hated my high school self. Maybe that's why I'm reliving high school now through this podcast. Anyway, someone who really looked out for me was my cross-country coach, Paul Capuzzo. What a, what a great guy to me. You know, He was really a mentor when I really, really needed it most in life. And he's been there for me ever since. If I ever needed to drop a line with him, and it hasn't been often, you know, I've kind of tackled my adult life pretty well, not that well. I'm still hosting a podcast about teen films. I'm not a billionaire CEO, so I'm not an MVP of life, but having a good time still. You know, he, he's always just been a text message away or a phone call away, and he actually is hurting pretty bad right now. He got into a bad bike accident. Uh, yeah, you know, really tough. He's doing okay from what I see. He's doing better just following the updates on social media. Just, you know, want to give my old thoughts and prayers to him and spread a message. He said he was wearing a helmet. Helmet saved his life. I can't tell you. I look outside my window, see so many people not wearing helmets, not just on bikes, but on motorcycles, mopeds, quads, not wearing helmets. That is so stupid. Your life is worth more than that. Please wear a helmet. And this has reminded me so much. I'm happy that my mentor, someone who again, I've always looked up to, is doing better. I'm happy he's alive. So if this is a PSA, I'm sorry, but please wear a helmet. Thank you. Thank you so much. And again, Paul, Mr. Capuzzo, I can't even call you Paul. That's weird. Coach. (laughs) Coach, please, please, please get well soon. We're all thinking about you, all our former teammates, you know, a very important person in my high school experience. And, you know, just giving that shout out and all the love. And if that's not a reminder of this, I don't know what is, but life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.
you still here? It's over. Go home. Go.